the 30th is shoebox pack, packing, and lunch will be provided. Um, so come for that, and, and if nothing else, for lunch, you know. No, I'm kidding. Come for the ministry and the fellowship of working together and, and uh, getting the shoeboxes packed. Um, be, be praying. We, we're, we don't have the shoeboxes packed yet, and we don't have the shoeboxes on that table, but be praying over them right now of how God will use each one of those shoeboxes in a small remote tribe somewhere or in a big city, uh, wherever God wants those boxes to go. And what's cool is we, we find out at least what country they go to uh, when we go online and we do the registration form and get the forms to print out to put on each box. Uh, we will find out where they're going. So that And it may not be until like February or March of next year that we find out exactly where they went. Um, but that's kind of an exciting thing. Uh, we, we encourage you to, um, to be here, to participate in, in that. And I'm sure that there will be more forthcoming on that. Um, and then Sunday, our quarterly business meeting, we'll be discussing our budget for next year. Um, and then our regular quarterly business financial reports and that. We'll have documents out next week so that you'll have the week before the, the meeting to review them and come up with really tough questions for Shirley on the financial report. Since I haven't started preaching yet, I'm going to say it just came to mind. Don't ask me why it came to mind right now, but God God works. He works in little ways and he works in big ways. And in a little way that he worked this week was the trusses that we got for the, the building out there. Um, we thought were going to cost us $1,800. They only cost 1615 how cool is that? It, it, it was 185 less. It wasn't 185 more. So that's cool. All right? Because I'm sure there's other things that's going to cost more than we expected. It's just, that's just the way it goes. Uh, we spent 70 bucks this week on boxes of nails for the nail gun and the roof. And so, I mean, there's little stuff that, that'll, that'll come up like that. But when we save 185 on the trusses, that's just, you know, cover some of the nails or whatever. So uh, God is good. Um, it's exciting to see that, that happening. Last week we, we are in Acts. Last week we looked at uh, chapter 1, verses 15 to 26, and we talked, discussed that we know that before the foundations of the world were laid, Jesus Christ knew that Judas Iscariot would betray. It was no surprise. It was no shock. It was part of God's plan from the very beginning. We looked at Matthew 26 uh, and 27, and it kind of talks about the betrayal and how it went through. And Judas threw the money back into the temple that he had got for, for betraying Jesus. And they bought the field of blood for uh, called Hakeldama to, to be a cemetery. But we also discussed that it wasn't the place that Judas hanged himself. It, it couldn't be because the Jews in their, in their society would not have used a, a field that was, I'll say,
desecrated uh, by a suicide like that. They would not use that for a cemetery, aside from the fact that God's word very specifically says that it was because of Judas's betrayal, the money, there was blood money, um, as to why uh, the priest used that uh, field and that it's called uh, the field of blood. Then, because Judas had gone out and hanged himself, now there was 11 apostles. We looked in, and also in Matthew chapter 19, that in the millennial reign, there's going to be 12 thrones, and on each one of those thrones is going to be an apostle. Well, obviously, Judas was out and left a vacancy. So God chose Matthias to be the 12th one, to, to replace Judas. That Matthias had been there through the time and ministry of Jesus Christ on the earth, and he, he checked all the blocks in, as far as the requirements to, to be an apostle so that there would be 12 apostles to sit on the 12 thrones in the millennial kingdom. We watched our video again today. Um, I don't think we can be reminded too often of that, that the church is not a building. We are to deploy. We are to go out from here. We are to, in, in a let's see, the church, how to say that, yeah, the church is not a location. The church is what you are every day. People are watching you. They're watching the way you live. And, and I'm sure because of my position, it's a little more visible in the community, but I'll come across people that I don't have a clue who they are, and they know exactly who I am, and I'm like, oh boy, better be good. <laughs> They're watching. And as we, de- we, we deploy, we need to understand that. Church is not what we're doing right now. You are the church. And as we see the the, in the new, in the Acts here, that the, that the Holy Spirit comes. It's the beginning of the church, the bride of Christ. That there, there are people watching to to see how we respond. In 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 our, the thought is the early church. Why were they so successful? They didn't have any real estate portfolio. They didn't have a 22-acre campus with six buildings and a huge gymnasium and a swimming pool. They, they didn't have a building, period. They didn't have any money. They didn't have any political influence. What, what, what made it work? Why did it click? They added 3,000 to the church in one day, as we'll, we'll find out in the next, next bit here. Not today, but in the next few weeks. What made it work was the power of the Holy Spirit. The church is is not about a a person, although each church should be pastored. It's not about a personality. It's not, and here I'll go back to my my old cliches, okay? It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about God. It's about him and his work being done. It's about his ministry being accomplished in Newberry through us. And that's the sharing and the spreading of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Turn with me, if you would, in God's words to John chapter 16.
we got up on the, the board here that the, the scripture of today's message is Acts 2.1. I'm not sure we'll even get that one accomplished. We will try. John chapter, because we are going to spend a lot of time in Leviticus. How many of you always think about Leviticus when you think about Pentecost and the, the coming of the Holy Spirit? Yeah, okay, you're going to learn something today. Good. John chapter 16, verse 7. 16, I'm sorry. John chapter 16, verses 7 through 15. That's probably, I was probably dyslexic there in saying that. John 16, verse 7. But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper shall not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And this is Jesus speaking. And he, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin. Pay, pay attention to what the Holy Spirit does here. The Holy Spirit has a lot of work to do in our lives. When he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. He will convict concerning sin because they do not believe in me. He will convict concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you no longer behold me. He will convict of concerning judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall take of mine and shall disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine, therefore I said that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. The work and ministry of the Holy Spirit is specific. I mean, there's several things listed there, but in verse 14, is specifically to glorify Jesus Christ. And he, he will do that and work through us. We have the same Holy Spirit today that the church had on Pentecost more than 2,000 years ago. We have access to that power why, why don't we grow? Why don't we succeed? Succeed in the sense of growing? Well, as just as, just as the video said again, it's not all about size and numbers, but we are supposed to grow disciples. And if we grow disciples, we will, we will increase in numbers. But even more importantly than that is that the believers that are here grow and become stronger in their faith and stand firm when the winds blow. Okay, trick question for the day. Acts chapter 2. Acts 2. Put, put a thumb in Acts 2, but we're also going to put a thumb or a marker in, in Leviticus 23. But right now, Acts 2.1. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. Trick question. When was the first Pentecost? Don't look in Acts 2 for it. Turn to Leviticus 23 with me. And again, keep your finger, well, maybe not necessarily in Acts. We're going to do a lot of, uh, some, read some verses in the Gospels, but 
For right now, let's start out in Leviticus chapter 23. As you can guess, the term Pentecost, if you think of the Pentagon in Washington, D.C., how many sides does it have? Five sides. So Pentecost, the beginning of it is five, and we'll get to where you understand and realize that Pentecost means 50. The term 50 for Pentecost. Do you remember in Nehemiah, we're not going to get this far in Leviticus 23 today, but do we remember in Nehemiah chapter 8 where, where we did this? Okay, chapter 8 also talked all about the seventh month. Remember the feasts? On the first day of the seventh month was the Feast of the Trumpets. Does anybody remember what the tenth day of the seventh month is? The Day of Atonement. And then the fifteenth day? This one lasted for a whole week. It was the Feast of the Tabernacles. And that's where they would put the, the olive tree branches and that, and they'd make booths up on top of their house and live in them to remember their time in the wilderness. They had to leave their iPods and laptops in the house and just go live on the top of the roof. Okay? And remember what it was like to wander through the wilderness without all the amenities of life that they had at that time. So in, in that, if you'll look in, in Leviticus 23, starts in verse, in verse 23, through the end of the chapters, is talking about the seventh month, but we're going to start the beginning of the year on the first day, or I'm sorry, the 14th day of the first month. But those, just a, just a quick refresher. And the reason I mentioned Nehemiah is because I want, to, I want you to see how, how God's word fits together. It's just not a, a book thrown here and a book thrown there and a, a few good ideas in another book. But God, God's word has a purpose and, and it works together. It all comes together. And that's, that's what we need to see here. And I, I hope that by the time we're done here in an hour and a half, you'll have a better idea of, of don't laugh. Don't laugh. I'll see if you're laughing in an hour and a half. I'm teasing, of course. The Passover, verses uh, Leviticus 23, verses 4 and 5. These are appointed times of the Lord, holy convocations, which you shall proclaim at the times appointed of them. In the first month on the 14th day of the month, at twilight, is the Lord's Passover. The Passover was a, was a, and it's just, guys, it's just, it's just fun to study how, how it just shows and fits together. The Passover that was, that was done when the, when the tribe, when the Jews left Egypt was a, was a four picture. Maybe that's the word I'll use today. Well, was a, was a, a, is looking forward. They, they were living at it at the time, but looking forward, it, it identifies as, as the death of Christ on the cross, the death of the Lamb. Keep your finger in Leviticus and look at John 129.
John the Baptist is speaking. He says, the next day he saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Flip a few more pages over to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Um, verses 1 through 8. I'm not going to read all eight of them, but just briefly, verses 1 and 2. You're going to wonder, what in the world does this have to do with this, Pastor? It is actually reported that there is immorality among you, an immorality of such a kind that does not even exist among the Gentiles, that someone has his father's wife. And you have become arrogant and have not mourned instead in order that one who has done this deed might be removed from your midst. Verses 6 through 8. Your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump of the dough? Clean out the old leaven that you may have a new lump, just as you are in fact unleavened. For Christ, our Passover, also has been sacrificed. Let us therefore celebrate the feast, not with old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Remember this discussion on bread, because we're going to come back to it later in the message. But what the, the problem was here was that there was sin, but the worst problem was that it was not being addressed, that it wasn't being called out. They weren't following the guidelines of Matthew 18 of church discipline. They, they were letting it go on. They were just kind of turning away from it. And they weren't fixing the problem. But we see that, the, and for that, Christ died as, as the Lamb of God. And so that Passover that they celebrated in the, in the Old Testament times was a, was a, a forelook at the death of Christ, the, the, the death of Christ, of God, for our sins. Go back to Leviticus. We read for Leviticus 23. We read 4 and 5. Now we'll move on to 6. Then on the 15th day, okay, the first one was on the 14th day of the first month. On the 15th day of the same month, there's the feast of the unleavened bread to God. For seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. And in the Old Testament, or in the Bible, the, the picture of leaven is sin. The, the unleavened bread was the pure bread, and we'll see that in just a second here. But if the bread had leaven in it, it would affect the whole loaf of bread. It isn't just a little speck in the corner that just kind of stays off to itself. It affects the whole loaf of bread. As it is with sin in our lives, it doesn't just affect me. My sin affects the whole church, and so does yours. I don't say that just because I'm the pastor that my sin affects the church. Yes and no, but yours does too. If, if you're not living righteously for Christ, it's going to affect the body. If you're a kneecap in the body... And, you're, and you, you donk your kneecap on the corner of the end. Are you thinking about any of the rest of your body right then except, oh, that pain, that hurts? Sin affects the body, the whole body. And so, because of that, Christ died for us. 
As you move on to the verses 9 through 14, the end of verse 9, it says, You shall bring in the sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest, and he shall wave the sheaf before the Lord. You bring the first of the harvest to God. And the sheaf was just the, the, the wheat as it was cut, and then the sheaves of, of grain would be bound together, thrown on a wagon, and then taken for, for processing and storage. But the first fruits, the first that you harvested, belongs to God. That is a picture of Christ is the four the four picture looking forward is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. First Corinthians fifteen. First Corinthians fifteen twenty, but now Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who are asleep. For since by a man came death, by a man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all shall be made alive. But each man in his own order, Christ the first fruits after those who are Christ's at his coming. Then comes the end when he delivers up the kingdom to the God the Father when he abolished all rule and all authority and power. So the first fruits, the, the feast of the first fruits took place the day after I gotta get this right, say this right here. The day after Sabbath following Passover. So you had Passover, then you had the Sabbath, and then the first day after that was the first day of the week. And that is, was when the, free, the Feast of First Fruits, there we go. Never thought of that as a tongue twister. The Feast of the First Fruits took place, was on the first day of the week. And Pentecost, as we continue on in Leviticus 23, in verses 15 through 21. You shall also count for yourselves from the day after the Sabbath, from the day when you brought in the sheaf of the wave offering, there shall be seven complete Sabbaths. And you shall count fifty days to the day after the seventh Sabbath, that you shall present a new grain offering to the Lord. And you shall bring in from your dwelling place two loaves of bread for a wave offering made of two-tenths of an ephah. They shall be of fine flour baked with leaven, as the first fruits to the Lord. The feast of the first fruits. Jesus Christ was God's only Son. And He gave His Son for us. In the, the feast, in verses 9 through 14, when we looked at the feasts, excuse me, the feast of the, the, the wave of the sheaf, okay, or the feast of the first fruits, and you, the sheaf would be brought to the priest and he would wave it before the Lord. It was still in the form of wheat. It was not made into bread. 
And that's a symbol that there was no leaven in it. There is no sin in Christ. That's why Christ is the first fruit of God. Okay? Now, when we get to the, the Feast of Pentecost, and maybe if I'd started with that, you would have caught on that Pentecost in Acts 1 is not the first time the Pentecost was celebrated. If I had said it was the Feast of Pentecost, but at the Feast of Pentecost, there's two loaves of bread. They're loaves of bread, and it very specifically says that they're at the end of verse 17 that they are baked with leaven, signifying that there is sin in those two loaves, that there is leaven in the bread. Why two loaves? We're looking forward to Acts. Two loaves. One is for the Jews, one is for the Gentiles, or it represents the Jews and the Gentiles that make up the church of Christ in Acts. And in those two loaves, there is sin, so that there will be sin in the church. Christ acknowledged that and understands that. We are sinners. Okay, the, the, the feast of the first fruits was the, the way the, the priest would wave the sheaf. Not made into bread, no leaven, no sin. Jesus Christ. Immediately after the feast of the, the first fruits was not immediately after, 50 days after, was the feast of Pentecost with the unleavened bread representing one loaf representing the Jews, one loaf representing the Gentiles. And we're gonna we're gonna bring them together, okay? And I gotta make sure that I'm okay, at, at Pentecost in the Old Testament, which was fifty days after the, the feast of the first fruits, the Jews, what they were celebrating at the at the Pentecost was the giving of the law. They were celebrating their history. They were celebrating that God gave them the law to follow, although none of them could obey it to the letter. None of us could either. But that the, the, the Feast of the Pentecost was a celebration of the giving of the law. We celebrate Pentecost today as the giving of the Holy Spirit as we see in Acts chapter 2. The Jews celebrated in, in their, their history before Christ came in his ministry on the earth. The Jews celebrated Pentecost as the giving of the law. We celebrate Pentecost as the giving of the Holy Spirit. Again, why, why do we celebrate on the first day of the week? Christ rose from the dead on the first day of the week, the Holy Spirit came on Pentecost, which was the first day of the week. That's why we celebrate on Sunday. We're not Jewish. The Sabbath doesn't mean anything to us per se. Not that it doesn't have value. That, that probably didn't come out. That, those probably weren't the best choice of words there. Not that it doesn't mean anything to us. But... It doesn't mean to us what it meant to the Jews. I should have said it that way. Christians celebrate the giving of the Holy Spirit. 
We celebrate on the first day of the week because Christ arose on the first day of the week and the Holy Spirit was given on the first day of the week. 1 Corinthians 10. This, is, this, this feels like one of those kind of somewhat scholastic sermons, and yet the, 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 the understanding and the details are really exciting to see how God puts it together. 1 Corinthians 10.16 Is not the cup of blessing which we bless a sharing in the blood of Christ? Is not the bread which we break a sharing in the body of Christ? Since there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. Look at the nation, Israel. Are not those who eat the sacrifices sharers in the altar? What do I mean then? That a thing sacrificed to all idols is anything, or that an idol is anything. No, but I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons, not to God. And I do not want you to become sharers in demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. Or do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? We are not stronger than he, are we? When we come to communion, we don't have two separate trays of bread, one for the Jews and one for the Gentiles. It's all from the same now, which is an indicate that those two at, at Pentecost from Leviticus 23, when the, the priests waved the two loaves of bread, one for the Jews and one for the Gentiles, now when we come together in the church, underneath the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit from Acts 2 on, we share in one communion. There is one church in Jesus Christ. So he brings the two, the Jews and the Gentiles, together in the church. And then we celebrate communion as one, as one body. So we have the same Christ. We have the same Holy Spirit. We have the same salvation. And it's to be seen that it's in, in one bread at the, at the, when we celebrate communion together. So you have the, the Passover is the, the foreview of Christ dying for us. The first fruits, looking forward to Christ's resurrection. Pentecost, the Jews celebrated the law. We celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. Christ's death on the cross was a one-time thing. It doesn't need to be repeated. The Holy Spirit coming at Pentecost is a one-time thing. It doesn't need to be repeated. He came, the Holy Spirit came, were baptized in the Spirit, as believers were filled with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit convicts us of our sins, and that's His ministry in our lives. But there will never be another Pentecost. It's a once for all, just as He died on the cross. The Pentecost is a, is a one-time thing for the church and the believers that the Holy Spirit came. He indwells us. 
And there's a difference between baptism and the filling of the Spirit, and we're going to get into that in the next couple of weeks as we go through, forward through Acts. But to understand that, that Pentecost is when the Holy Spirit came and the church, the church age began. The ministry of Christ was over the Old Testament law, not to be ignored, but it wasn't the, the ruling authority over us. It's Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's how, how the church can be successful today. We don't need a huge real estate portfolio. We don't need a lot of money. We don't need political influence. We need the Holy Spirit of God to guide and direct us in our lives. We need the Holy Spirit of God to convict us of our sins. And we need to, to be one in the body one in the understanding that Jesus Christ is the only way of salvation. John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto their Father but through me. Acts four twelve. Neither is there any other name given among men whereby we must be saved. If it's at the name of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for... And, and, and I know maybe not everybody's excited about history like I am, but it's just fun to see how, how what you set up in the Old Testament was looking forward to you coming, the Holy Spirit coming, and the establishment of your church. That, that there's no sin in you, but there is in us, and that's why we need you. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the, the joy in it. And uh, just just pray that we would receive blessing from you this week, Father, as we spend time in your word, as we dig deep, and as we look to meet with you each and every day, Father, as we pray to you, that we will know and understand, and that we will love you more. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.